If you've never been to the Maryland Renaissance Festival, you don't know what you're missing. There's so much to see and do. It's like a 16th century theme park with shops and pubs, food and games, live jousting, crafts and music, 10 stages with nonstop entertainment. Fun for the whole family. Saturdays, Sundays, and Labor Day Monday through October 24th. For tickets, visit MarylandRenaissanceFestival.com. Save big on admission through September 12th. Near Annapolis, the Maryland Renaissance Festival. Time travel to fun. Coming up, the Monday Night Messiah has gone through plenty of changes in the last year, but the biggest one yet is on the way. Father-to-be, Seth Rollins joins the podcast as ATB starts now. Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still, in fact, Corey Graves, and I'm very excited about the show this week. This is one of those instances where real life and business life and personal relationships and friendships kind of all collide in some very cool, cool ways. Uh, Obviously, you probably know what I'm talking about. It's been massive news that has been on every WWE outlet and beyond for the past week or so. And uh, since I'm never afraid to exploit my friends in a very public forum, I invited my pal on here to discuss the good news. Please welcome Seth Rollins. Well, the time has come to officially congratulate you on the massive life-altering news. I got to see you for about 10 seconds uh, last week, the day the news broke to the world. I'm sure you've been asked this question by everyone you've encountered for the last seven days, at least. Uh, How are you feeling? Uh, Pretty good, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate the congratulations. I can appreciate the congratulations really from from everybody. You know, it's been pretty overwhelming as far as positivity is concerned uh, regarding the news, which, you know, you would hope and expect for something like this. But uh, it's been good, man. You know, it's still uh, we're still so early in the pregnancy, so it kind of isn't totally real. You know, watching uh, Becky announce it live on Monday made it feel more real than it had previously. But still, you know, we haven't we haven't gotten the first ultrasound yet, and we haven't done a lot of the baby things that you uh, that you do when you do these things. I guess it's my first time. I'm not exactly. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure exactly what we need to do. But yeah, it's it's a you know we're going in for an appointment. I think at the end of this week, and I think it'll feel a little little bit more real there. Each step is a little more real, but it doesn't fully become real until you see this human that you helped create. Uh, that's what it really got me every time was, was I wasn't there for when, son, my, when Cash, my son, was born. I was wrestling in Spain because I had to pay my bills. And <laughs> but for my, both of my daughters, man, you see that, that human being come into the world that is part of you. And it's, that's when it gets plenty real. And don't worry, it, uh, it, it'll be abundantly real for at least the next 18 years or so. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're looking forward to it, man. It's going to be pretty cool when she gets that big belly on her. And when we have a human, we, we've talked about it, made all the jokes about how weird it is that there's this little thing just growing inside of her that's half me and half her. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's cool, man. I'm excited about it. At least we know it's drawing from a strong gene pool. Let's hope so, man. I hope it gets all those dominant genes. I think it increases the uh, the likelihood of a future WWE Hall of Famer just from the womb. Oh, the poor thing! That poor thing. <laughs> keep I, keep I, it I, away I, from the business. Yeah. <laughs> 
So you mentioned the the positivity, uh, the the outpouring of support from the majority of the world. But this is the wrestling business, and oh, this yeah. is the age of social media. And I imagine that there's probably been some negativity thrown your way. Yeah, a little bit. And you know what? It actually came from one of the more unlikely sources. And I don't really want to take too much time to get into it because you know I don't want to focus on it, but it hurt my feelings on a personal level because Jim Cornette is someone who's a legend in our industry. And he's someone that I've personally worked with in my time at ring of honor. And for him to come out and say some real negative things, some real misogynist things about uh, women in general and pregnancy in the industry, it was just, it kind of caught me off guard and it made me lose a lot of respect for someone that um, you know, who a lot of people had already kind of lost respect for. And I was still holding on to hope that somewhere along the line, there was a personal connection between Jim and I that, you know, he would think twice before making just some egregious comments about women, about my wife that were just completely, I can't even forgive them. I don't even want to repeat them. Uh, no, they, they weren't repeating. And everybody that, that knows what you're referring to already heard the the he dribbled so exactly but i just from a on a grander scale the 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 mindset that has to go into that needs to be eradicated all around it's just so disgusting and you know the more i sat and thought about it and talked about it i knew we had this appearance coming up and we were going to have this conversation and i wanted to address it just because i want to make it very clear that you know this is something that i I'm so proud of my fiance, of Becky, of what she's doing and the courage that it takes for her at this point in her career to make a decision. Look, she's 33 years old. So once you hit 35 for women, you start running risks with these pregnancies. Right. And so she, she made an incredibly tough decision. She went out there on national television. She got to say things the way she wanted to do. And the fact of the matter is she is the most talented woman I've ever seen in my entire life. And, and she's going to be just fine being pregnant making money, doing all right. So everything that uh, Jim Cornette said is complete nonsense, not just for her, but for women all around the globe. It's just, it's been honestly, from the, for the most part, aside from what we just discussed, it's been extremely positive. And I think everybody's just really happy for us. The last time you were on ATB, uh, you and I were discussing, you were still a, a good guy, so to speak at the time. And we we're kind of discussing the, the negative backlash of, of some segments of the audience. In the months since then, you have evolved into the Monday Night Messiah and sort of been able to channel all of that, you know, some of that angst and, and real life feelings kind of in a, in a different manner. How much fun have you been having with this new role, kind of being able to do something really outside of what you've done before? Yeah, it's always fun to evolve and, and it's scary to take chances and, and um, play characters and do something that you're not used to. You know, you get kind of accustomed to you know doing what you're used to and getting in this kind of this mode. And, and sometimes there's a stubbornness that comes with that. But there's also like a cool sense of adventure when it comes to just, you know, diving into a character. You really start to lose inhibition a little bit and you allow yourself to step outside of you know uh who you are so you kind of you know sometimes when you're wrestling you really feel like you're being judged as me this person and so when you're when you play such a character that's so far from you know really who you are it allows you to not to, to let go of everything and to just sort of be this character and allow it to explore different places and you can do different things with it. And, you know, you can take chances like, you know, burn it down. Seth Rollins would never have gone on television with 
crazy hair and a, and a big bloated belly on him, you know what I'm saying? But the Messiah would. And so it, it's fun to take chances and to do things differently. And so it's just, it's been a lot of fun for me. Talk to me a little bit about uh, your personal experience. You're a guy who's had the greatest moment of a WrestleMania, you know, and cashing in. Uh, you've, you've been part of numerous main events, won the Universal Championship. And now this year, you're still with Kevin Owens. You guys had a long-term story come to a head to culminate at WrestleMania, but you're doing it inside the performance center. What, what is your approach knowing, you know, what you're dealing with heading into this? Well, it was real interesting because, you know, we had done a couple of raws leading up and uh, to mania and we, no one had, we hadn't really gotten the hang of what this, this no audience television product was going to look or feel like, but I did start to notice some certain things that didn't seem to translate when we didn't have a live audience um, just some, some kind of normal things that you do in a wrestling match that, uh, I felt weren't working when I was watching the matches. Kevin and I started this story back in November and we added all these pieces in and took pieces out and we were dealing with a lot of craziness and look, no bones about it. Kevin and I weren't the marquee match on the show. We just, we weren't, you know, you had Undertaker, AJ Styles, you had, uh, Bray and John Cena, you had Roman and uh, Goldberg initially and turned into Braun and Goldberg, but you had all the, you know, Edge and Randy, you had these other high profile matches, Becky and Shayna that, you know, we just weren't at the top of the list. Like I said, I was extremely happy with the finished product that we were able to, to, to put on between, you know, uh, having a five month story that turned into what it was. And we were able to have what I thought was one of the standout. Uh, I'm not, I can't put up there with that dang boneyard match, but uh, <laughs> it was, it was, from an in-ring perspective, it was pretty good with no problem. You guys, you guys definitely captured that that elusive WrestleMania moment. I mean, Kevin jumping off of the WrestleMania sign, albeit in the Performance Center, was still pretty impressive. And I still, as many times as we've gone to TV and seen the WrestleMania sign hanging, you know, behind the announce table up in the arena, you can't really fathom how huge that thing is until you see the... the <laughs> It's in the performance center, especially a place that we've been a million times, and you realize how gigantic those signs really are. And then Kevin seemingly fell forever. What was going through your mind when you look up and you see Kevin Owens at 275 uh, pounds barreling toward you? Yeah, that was that's what I was going to say. You don't realize how big it is until you're laying down there underneath Kevin yeah. Owens, giant <laughs> dude. You, and like, it, I remember walking in there that day because I, I, I didn't know it was going to be there. I didn't know what the WrestleMania set was going to look like. I didn't know what they were going to do. The fact that they even got that sign in there, I thought was impressive. Um, and then, yeah, when I was laying there and I was looking up at Kevin, I was just like, oh, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> this, is, this is no good. And you can hear me physically wheezing because there's no crowd. It's just me going, like just dry. <laughs> I thought he broke my ribs, he elbowed me. He landed, I mean, he landed perfect, but he hit me so hard and he's just a big boy. So he smashed me right in that rib cage and luckily I didn't wait out of me, but it, uh, it was, yeah, that, that sucked. That was one of the worst. I've been on the, the other end of that. I've been the one doing the jumping, but not from that height before. I don't think so that, that was, uh, that was just kind of one of those grit your teeth moments as Nigel would say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I got to ask you from a from an in-ring perspective, how much does not having a crowd factor into the physical aspect of it? And I, I asked this question because after Money in the Bank last week, uh, after your match, you walked, we were doing the announcer changeover and, and you were making your exit from ringside. And I've known you for many, many years and I had never seen you grimace <laughs> in pain like you were. 
And to the point where I had to text you afterwards just to make sure you're all right. Not having a crowd affect your adrenaline and what you feel. Do you feel more when you're in the ring now? Yeah, I mean, look, that that match with Drew is especially physical for me. Drew's a big boy, and his offense is very much centered around throwing smaller gentlemen around. <laughs> and I am, you know, I'm probably, I probably weigh 30, 40 pounds less than Drew, maybe a few inches shorter, and quite a substantial underdog in the muscle mass race. So he is a big guy, and that just, that match took a toll on me, man. When you're in there, and you're in the moment, it just, it's one of the differences I know, uh, they used to talk to us, who is it? Dr. Tom used to talk to us all the time at FCW about not playing wrestler, you know? Right, right. And, and at the end of the day, like, you know, when we're in there and you, when you're really good at what you do, you're not playing wrestler, you're just a wrestler. And so we're, you're in the dogfight. And when I was in there with Drew, it felt like a dogfight. You know, once we're going toe to toe and hitting each other and, you know, I'm landing on my back and kicking him in the face and, you know, it's a fight. And so it, it doesn't, the, the thing is when, when, like I said, when the ding, 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 usually in a live crowd, you've still got that that energy around you, the people are the roar, the, the feelings. And so you can get through almost anything. You don't really feel the pain in your body until, you know, sometimes a couple hours later when you go to the back and you sit down and then you try to stand up again. But now, at least for me anyway, after that match, it was just immediate. I just, everything just went, and I, I, it was a tough, it was tough for me to stand. Uh, you saw me trying to just walk out of there. It was tough for me to move around. You know, my low back's been in, in, in its for quite some time, but that one, that one took its toll on me. G3 Assistance through Virginia's Community Colleges is your pathway to a new future. Get a skill. Get a job. Get ahead. Learn more at vccs.edu forward slash G3. So obviously the, the, Energy and the vibe and all things WWE right now are kind of unusual to understate it. Hopefully, sooner than later, the crowd will be part of WWE again. Looking forward, maybe it's it's a few months from now. Do you look forward to most for for as a whole of getting back to normal? Oh man, I just miss the people. You know, I kind of was saying this the other day. Just we're just not we're social people, man. You know, and and look. You know, you and I are as, as misanthropic as it gets when it comes to people <laughs> most of the time. But there's something to, you know, just just being out in these cities and, you know, going to, to Kansas City and San Jose and Portland and Austin, Texas, and just seeing the different cultures and the different types of people. And, you know, we've missed out on European tours. We missed out on a South African tour. And so just being able to go out and experience the world and experience different cultures and bring joy to them, I think, is the one thing that. Uh, I miss more than anything, you know, it, it's nice to have a crowd when you're falling down and stuff like that, but just going out and, and making people happy uh, in different parts of the world. I think that, I think I miss that the most. What have you been doing to keep yourself occupied? Uh, you know, Iowa is awesome. Becky and I are, are set up here in Iowa. I got a wrestling school here. It's shut down. We, we, we usually start up in May, but uh, we shut it down for the month to give people more time to acclimate and, you know, see uh, what kind of restrictions we're going to be loosened. Uh, by June, but it's still a gym for me. So I can, I gotta, I've been fortunate enough to have a full gym to train at. Obviously the pregnancy has been occupying a bit of our time. And then uh, just watching shows, man, I've been obsessed with the last dance for the last month. So 
Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I, I'm about six episodes deep, so I'm still trying to get by the time this airs, I will have been completely caught up. But man, talk about just a, a trip down memory lane. I, I'm not a basketball fan anymore, but I watch every episode of that and I can name the players just by their faces. I remember that era. It was so important. Just I mean, Jordan is as close to a deity as you're going to get on Earth. You know what I mean? It's crazy. I've, I've been hooked on it too. What it? What an icon and what uh, what an interview, dude. He's he's been so candid on this show, and it, you know, I, I I won't spoil any of the other four episodes for you, but God, he's just so good there. He's so open and honest mm-hmm. of it. I, I I'm fascinated. Those were my that was my squad in the mid '90s, and so uh, to be able to go back and relive all those moments and. And you know, I was a big Rodzilla guy, so I love yeah. seeing <laughs> it's just it's incredible. It's amazing stuff. Isn't it wild to to look back and see that's how big our business was and the Monday Night Wars and everything that when Rodman skips practice to go join the NWO, he went to join the NWO, like one of the best basketball players on the planet Earth, left a playoff run because he wanted to go hang out. That's how red hot wrestling was. Yeah, dude, he's in the NBA finals and he's just like yeah, let me go beat up DDP instead. Yeah. <laughs> and the craziest part was Phil was just like, all right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he's just got to do they what he's got to do. Him, he came back. Yeah. They find him. He came back. Yeah, Dennis has got to go be Dennis. He came back and then they won a title, you know, what? and like nothing, nothing, no, but yeah. nothing. he didn't get suspended. He nothing. started the next game. Nothing. It's just yeah. fascinating, dude. What a different time we live in. It's, it's absolutely wild. To that point, do you think Michael Jordan could exist if he came around in this day and age at the same level? Wow. This is like a fun know, conversation dude. I've been having. This has been my quarantine conversation with just about anybody. Because watching this, obviously, he's got the natural talent and ability and the work ethic. But he seems to just be so put together all the time. And the only real black mark on his legacy was the the gambling issue, which I mean, I wouldn't even call it a scandal. He went gambling with his dad and everyone yeah. tried to bring him down. But nowadays, man, you, you know, you sneeze in the wrong direction. You got 11 people trying to trying to knock you off your perch. Those guys, they benefited so much from having that level of privacy. And like, I think it's so much better for celebrity, like that level of privacy. You know, there aren't too many guys out there today, you know, actors in Hollywood or athletes who are just super private guys uh, or girls and keep that. This is just, a, there's just an aura about Michael Jordan, you know, say what you will about LeBron James, who of, of our generation is easily the most talented and, and uh, influential athlete uh, there is, but he doesn't have the same aura, the same mystique about him. He's not an enigma. So like if you sat LeBron down in uh, a decade and did interviews about, you know, this period in his life, yeah, you might get some good stories out of him, but all this stuff that they're talking about, was all stuff that no one, no one in the public knew about for decades because there wasn't so much social media. You had little reporters who would do books or you know stuff like that, but there wasn't every single day wasn't a new piece of news about Michael Jordan that was able to be corroborated and filmed and put on a you know TikTok or whatever. It just it's a different. It was a different era for stars. It's kind of like old Hollywood in a way. You know, it's just you don't get the same vibe anymore with when it comes to celebrity. I would agree across the board with you on that, particularly as it pertains to our business. But even like this podcast, this thing would have never existed, you know, 20 years ago. 
Oh, we already got beaten. We already got oh, beaten. Yeah, absolutely. We, we, we would, exactly. I'm, I'm now, you know, doing, doing things that I'm like, oh God, I'm one of them now. Do you think A, that there's a way to bring that back? And B, do you think it, it would benefit people like in our business? Uh, I don't think it's ever going back. You know, as, as Terry Taylor would say, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. It's out. Once it's there, it's there. The accessibility of the information with the way the internet works, it's impossible to go backwards. I think that, you know, we were fortunate enough in the, uh, in the attitude era to kind of get ahead of the curve because this was coming no matter what. So at the end of the day, like this was going to happen at some point, you know, the, the, the information was going to spread. People were going to find out. So kudos to those guys for kind of getting ahead of the curve and, and keeping people on their toes for, you know, kind of a short window that they had before everybody started to figure it all out. And I, I don't think it goes back. I think it's just about figuring out how to adapt somewhere along the line. Somebody's going to come along and, and have a better answer than what I do as far as, how to create a level of superstardom or mystique that's that's you know that harkens back to old Hollywood or old pro wrestling or whatever you want to call it. But right now, I know everybody's just kind of like trying to play catch up. Like no one, I can't, I don't see anybody out there who's a step ahead, who's got like the next thing figured out before mm-hmm. it happens. You know, and so you know maybe the answer is less is more. I don't know, but. uh Right now, it just seems like everybody's trying to trying to catch up to this invisible rabbit that's sort of running away with with everything. When everything, it comes to cele- <laughs> yeah. When it comes to celebrity and and chasing, just what what's the next thing? Everybody just feels like they're chasing. That's all. It's a double edged sword. I mean, I look at something like the the last ride that the company put together on WWE Network about the Undertaker. From what I've seen, I've only seen uh, the first episode as of right now. Um, it's amazing. It's amazingly well done. It's awesome. Everyone, I, I don't know if there's anybody in our business as highly respected as The Undertaker, but like 12 year old me is kind of going, I don't want to know this. I, I want The Undertaker. <laughs> I, I like to think he can really summon lightning. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of in a weird way. It's like that, the death of the innocence. I think the smart thing that, about this with Taker is that he did it at the at the right time in his career. Right. So, so 12 year old you, if, if they had shown the last ride when you were 12, you, it would have ruined everything. You know? Right. It, right. It, it would have ruined the whole thing, but we didn't have that back then. And he was not in the prime of his career. Now his character, cause you, you, his character doesn't work today. Yes. Yeah. And, and there are like some weird exceptions. Bray Wyatt comes to mind from a, from a ultra character perspective who, who sort of kind of slides by a little bit or gets a little pass. But Undertaker character is so supernatural. So now when he's at this point in his life where, you know, he is comfortable transitioning out of the Undertaker character and that skin all the time and being just, you know, Mark Calloway, I think that it's okay. You know, it makes it okay for me when I watch it, when I see him being a human being. In a weird way, in a weird way, in my opinion, having him remove the veil of the undertaker almost makes him a character because he's this guy who has done all of these things and he's got all these accolades and accomplishments. And now he's kind of pulling back another layer. It's it's like a fresh coat of paint. You know what I mean? Whereas if he comes out in jeans and a t-shirt now, you're still enamored because you he's got this credibility and all this stuff and, and all this this weird mystery still and I, I i could see it actually benefiting him you know for the next few years yeah in the long run i think it's going to really help him transition uh into just being being himself and, and whatever retirement looks like for him or or whatever the next phase of the undertaker looks like for him and and he did it really i thought cleverly too because it was kind of slow like it wasn't like well one day he's the dead man the next day here's the last ride he did it, 
he used this story with AJ Styles to kind of lead him into this place where he's at mm. and where now he can he can be the undertaker on social media too, you know, he can, right. he can undertaker can have a, an Instagram and stuff like that. So there's a sentence I'm sure nobody ever thought would be spoken. Oh, the undertaker's <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Right. Did your coffee shop get affected at all by this, this pandemic? A little bit. Yeah. We had, uh, we had to, you know, obviously we couldn't have anybody in the store for an extended period of time couple of months, I think you know, we were able to really, for, for me, it helped. I thought it helped us in the long run because it transitioned because we didn't do delivery really beforehand. We didn't do curbside beforehand. We were mostly just a traditional coffee shop. You come in, you get the experience, you hang out and have a good cup of coffee. You know, sometimes, you know, you spend a couple hours there doing homework or hanging out with your friends, having a conversation. And now that, you know, we were kind of forced into this ulterior uh, type of business curbside and delivery, we've, we've sorted we figured it out. So now Iowa just reopened uh, on Friday uh, for the weekend to like 50% capacity, I think, for places like restaurants and coffee shops and stuff. I think we are holding off for a few more weeks just to let everything settle as far as... Because we don't really want to open up for 50% capacity. We're kind of waiting to see if it can we can fill it up a little bit more than that in the next few weeks, you know, when things start to normalize, hopefully a little bit. But we're going to have kind of two new weapons in our arsenal as far as like being able to do delivery and being able to do curbside. And so it's going to help us overall, I think, in the long run. And we were able to raise money for our employees and keep everybody employed. Fortunately, we didn't have to let anybody go during this process. You know, that was something that I was really particular about because we have a lot of college kids and students and stuff like that who work at the shop. And uh, I did not want to have to put them out even for a couple of months because that could be just irreparable damage for someone who's not making a dime. And so luckily we were able to keep everybody employed and uh, we didn't, as far as I know, didn't, uh, didn't eat too much of it. That's awesome. Yeah. And we were one of the, we were one of the lucky ones too. So I don't, I don't, we're very fortunate. No, that's, that's really, really good news. But uh, to your point, man, it, we are, everyone's obviously wrapped up in their own bubble. Everything is, is relative. You only think about what you deal with in your aspect of your life. And so many people get been forgotten about this, like with the small businesses going under. That's something I've been really following closely. And a lot of people that are like, we have friends that are in bands and, and the tour, I'm trying to think of the word I'm looking for. Everyone that populates the tour, the crew, the roadies, yep. the lighting guys at the venues, the venues that are dropping like flies all over the place. I mean, it's been, it's been crazy for, for everybody. I have a, I have a friend who does merch for a bunch of bands. Frank, you might know Frank Finelli. Um, yeah. He's been trying to organize funds just to try to help everybody out and take care of things. But, but it's, it's kind of cool to see that sort of unity. Every kind of, everyone kind of getting in the trenches together, trying to help each other out. Yeah. I think that's the biggest positive that has come out of all this. You know, if you get on some social media or you watch the news, depending on which channel you watch, you know, you're going to see so much divisiveness and that's what you're going to think. And that's what you're going to feel. But the truth is everyone's kind of looking out for each other on a, on a real world level. I think more than ever, people are more concerned with trying to help each other out than I, that I've seen in a long time. And so that positivity, the, 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 the fact that we were able to really shut down the globe, think about that. Right. Humans were, humans were able to communicate with each other from here to Timbuktu to shut down the world so that half of us didn't die. That's cool, man. <laughs> yeah, it really is. That's cool. And so if we can do that, like think about all the other problems that we can solve if we really put our together. And so I, I've been more optimistic about all that and our ability to communicate as, a, as one big 
global tribe than uh, than I have with all the negativity and the divisiveness between should we do this, should we do that? You know, it's we're all just trying to figure it out together, man. Beyond that, is as frustrating and annoying as it's been for everybody across the board. Everyone's life's been impacted in some way. Do you look at like what what the it's done for the planet. Like, have you seen the, the pictures floating around of all yeah. the canals in Venice are like crystal clear now? The rivers yeah. in Pittsburgh are, are like way less brown than they were before. <laughs> you know, uh, but it's cool. Like, I mean, in a weird way, they, they paused and, and almost hit reset. And it's like, man, maybe, this, maybe there's something to this once in a while. I mean, I'm not saying shut the world down for two months at a time, you know, every year, but. Yeah, hey, I, I could dig another off season. I know my body could. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, look, I've been enjoying the time, you know, and, and I, I've been trying to, again, I'm in a different position than I think some people are. You know, I, I've, I've heard that this is, uh, you know, I've heard it said a lot that this is a, a difference between classes. I think people who are in different and struggling a little bit might are in different position than where we are. And so enjoying Absolutely. this is uh is not the first thing on their mind and i understand that but yeah there is something to coming together right and figuring out problems and i think that again this this thing has really shown us what we can accomplish if we set our minds to it like if you would have told us you know six months ago or a year ago that hey if you just shut the globe down a little bit for a couple weeks so it's a few weeks like you're gonna start to see some you know, remedies to these problems that we've had, people would have called you insane and said, yeah. it was impossible. They're like, there's no way. The only way this would shut down is a global pandemic. That's not going to happen. Right. Well, here yeah. we are. Here we are. Yes. So I just, it's, it, I think it's a testament to what we can do when we really have to. And so sometimes, you know, having to force your hand will get, will accomplish some, some important things. So I just think it's cool to remember that. Right on. I, I've seen a, a sentiment, uh, throughout social media, I've even had a conversation with a couple of guys, uh, more independent wrestlers. Uh, and obviously the Indies have dried up during all this and it's going to be a, a strange process kind of getting them back and, and rolling. What advice, if any, would you give to somebody struggling who has goals to someday come to WWE and, and their livelihoods are really affected negatively? God, man, it's so hard. I think, I think it's about grinding, dude. You, it's, it's hustle, you know? And look, we're all gonna we're all going through the pandemic, and everybody's gonna have to deal with things differently. If you're on the level of an independent gig worker, whether it's a musician or a pro wrestler, especially, you know, when when you rely on that sort of stuff for your income and to get better, like your hand is being forced again into a position where you have to adapt. In the same way that you know we're having to adapt to figure out how to do uh, this television show differently than we've we've had to do my entire career. If you're an independent wrestler, you got to figure out how to grind. You got to figure out how to hustle. You got to figure out how to support yourself while this is going on. And there are jobs out there to, you know, there are some businesses like Amazon that is thriving in a situation. That's where my brother's working right now. And and that's, yeah. And your brother, and look, your brother was doing just fine for himself on the, and in wrestling before that. Am I I not correct? Oh yeah. He was traveling all over the, all over the globe. Yeah. But you got to hustle. And so he's a perfect example of, look, you got to find ways to get yourself, keep yourself afloat for the time being. And then on the back end of this thing, man, you got to come in here ready to, to hustle like you never hustled before because everybody's going to be chomping at the bit once the shows get going again. Uh, and it's just going to be, it's going to be awesome to see because everyone's going to be pushing each other to be the best, uh, to see who the best is, who's going to get that next break. But during during this time, dude, it's you're gonna have to do jobs you don't want to do. You're gonna have to 
you know, budget if ways you don't want to budget. You're going to have to prioritize things ahead of pro wrestling to make sure that you're healthy, your family's healthy uh, or whatever you have to do to make sure that you can come out of this thing and get going on the back end of it if this is something you really want to do. Did you ever have a job that you had to work to support your wrestling habit? Yes. After, Did you? Uh, I, I yeah, feel like, I, I mean, I've known you so well. I don't know if we've ever had this discussion. I mean, we've all had jobs we hated. Dude, I worked, I couldn't keep jobs between 18 and 21 because I was traveling so much, you know? And and then like, I, my, my favorite one, uh, I, I got fired from the YMCA twice. I worked at the Y so I could get a free <laughs> Y membership sure. to work out there. I got fired twice. One of them was because uh, I fell asleep in the break room. Uh, you know, I opened the thing at 5 a.m. on a Monday or whatever, but I had a show in Cleveland the night before, so I didn't get back till 3 a.m. So I hadn't slept, and I, you know, I wrestled in Chicago the night before. So I really hadn't slept in three days, essentially, you know, minus some car or floor naps. But I was sleeping in the break room at 5 a.m. when no one's in the gym, and they caught me. And like the next day, they were like, Yeah, you got to go. <laughs> So, so how did you get fired twice though? So you, uh, you got rehired. So I got fired from, from two different YMCA's. Two different Y's. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was working, like I was employed by the same YMCA's, like the same group around here. The first one was, was, a, was, I was, uh, I was talking to my friend on the treadmill. I was doing, I was working, I had my little name tag on and she was, you know, on the treadmill, just doing her thing. And, uh, we, we were, uh, we were chatting and, uh, distracted by my rugged, rugged good looks. And she fell on the treadmill, you know, one of those missteps yeah. and like you fall on a treadmill is to be like, that's the worst thing you could do because it's going to skin just your keep, keep knees right. and stuff. Right. Well, my, my first instinct was to laugh because <laughs> what, you know what I mean? What am I going to do? It's hilarious when someone falls on a treadmill. Now, mind you, I went and cleaned it all up and I got her some alcohol and, you know, you know, make sure she was, she was sorted and all that. But at the end of the day, they didn't like the way I laughed at her when she fell. Oh man, that's tremendous. That's one of the funniest conversations. I, I should probably do that on the show more often. Like, Hey, what did you do while you were trying to make it in wrestling? Cause everyone's had the weirdest, worst jobs. My only job that I ever actually quit without having like a backup plan. I was working for a Dick's Sporting Goods in the warehouse. And it was just outside of Pittsburgh. And it was like this massive, like the shipping center, you know, like kind of like oh, okay. the main hub. And I took the job because I could have weekends off. And I worked yep. overnight from like Monday through Thursday night or maybe Friday night, whatever it was. And it was the worst job I've ever had. I remember I was unloading, <laughs> I was unloading a truck full of kayaks. And it was, it was, it gave me a whole new appreciation for office space because, you know, in office space, you've got like 11 bosses. Yeah. I was apparently unloading the truck full of kayaks improperly. Oh. And I, got, I got scolded. And then like five minutes later, someone else comes over and goes, I understand you did this wrong. And I, yeah, no, it's, it's fixed. I handled that. And okay, don't let it happen again. And then like the shift supervisor comes over and says, Hey, I heard there was a problem over here. Did you go over it? And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm unloading kayaks. You can train a monkey to do this. <laughs> and, and I finally got to the point where I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. I'm going to go insane. So I, that was the only job I ever quit without having like another job to go to. Yeah. But, you know, the things we put ourselves through to, uh, to, to support our wrestling habit. Yeah, that's great. The UPS, I worked at UPS, same thing, like a big shipping center. And like, I, I, that was the worst job I ever had in my life. No question. The YMCA stories were a little scary, but UPS, like I worked, uh, from like 3 a.m. to 8 a.m., just con just like loading trucks. That was the worst ever. And I was on call. So I didn't have like, it wasn't just like show up at 3 a.m. It was like, you have to wake up and call 
to find out if you had to go in. Oh. And then sometimes they would be like, oh no, you're good. But then someone would call in later, an actual person that was working because I was just like a temporary employee like to see if I could get the job I was doing like 30 days or something like that so someone an actual person that was working they would call in and then they call you back like 25 minutes later after you were like ah oh, I get to sleep today and then you'd have to get out of bed and go to the shipping center and try to get <laughs> all the crap packed and I, I remember I separated my shoulder in a wrestling match like halfway through that month or whatever so like I'm trying to just like you know I can't lift my right arm so I'm trying to just pick boxes up with one arm and like move them and I'm so slow and it's early and I haven't slept or eaten. Oh, I'm having flashbacks, man. <laughs> having some PTSD with a UPS job, miserable stuff. Oh, it worked out all right for you. Yeah, yeah, I did okay. Once everything gets gets kicking, obviously you're keeping an eye on all things WWE because I know you watch every show, every moment religiously all the time. Uh, who are some guys catching your eye right now? Oh man, who's doing really well? There's a lot of new blood. I mean, look, people are being put into situations that they weren't ready to be put into. There's a kid named Austin Theory. Yes. who's a good example of that. He's like 21 years old. Jerk. Uh, he's a just... <laughs> just uh, Send looks, his ass to UPS. Yeah, just looks great. Just, yeah. you know, moves so smooth in the ring and just happened to be around when people were hurt and ended up on WrestleMania, you know? Yeah, yeah he messed around and, and date, well, I think he did, his first match was at WrestleMania. Maybe he had one match beforehand. Yeah. Something like that. Something crazy like that. Um, you know, he's been doing really well. You know, you look at the... Uh, what are the, the Forgotten Sons? Is that them on SmackDown yeah, they over just, there? Yeah, they just showed up on SmackDown a few weeks ago. Again, there's a crew that, you know, uh, a few months ago might have been just lost. You know, you might have just forgotten about them. And now here they are and they're making uh, making waves for themselves in the, in the tag team title feud on SmackDown. So uh, there's a lot of guys. Even, hey, someone like Braun Strowman found himself, you know, in a universal championship slot that wasn't supposed to be his. And so, um, you know, guys are trying, doing their best. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing too, like now that Becky's gone, that leaves just a huge void on the raw side for the women. So I'm looking forward to seeing who's going to step up. You know, we had uh, recently debuting Bianca Belair, who I think has all the talent and charisma in the world to be a superstar. And so I'm looking forward to it. And then you got like, dude, I, I don't know how we sl- skip this and didn't talk about it, but the Viking Raiders and the Street Profits basketball game was so awesome. <laughs> and the, <laughs> the fact that we're getting the opportunity to do more stuff like that and to see the type of personality that Eric and Ivar have, that makes yeah. me really happy because there's, they're two of the funniest dudes. And like, you know, you just think of these, these brooding Viking looking weirdos, but dude, they're they're funny dudes. So to get them to get them out there and, yeah. and, uh, and, and do funny different stuff like that. I do the check the bald spot. Oh man, <laughs> I almost lost it. it it's amazing. To, it's the same thing. You've known Ray a long, long time as well, back from yeah, like the yeah. Cleveland Indies. And if you'd have told me that hardcore straight edge Ray is going to be doing silly things as a Viking playing basketball and raw, he'd have probably punched you in the face to even suggest <laughs> it. And now it's yeah. like, Oh, wait a minute. Uh, you know, it's, it's entertainment. You got to find, it somewhere and I, I like the the little bits of experimentation we've gotten to do I almost think we could get away with more of it as far as trying new things and but the one thing that stood out to me uh, and maybe you you could agree or disagree with me is the promos as much as it's nice to have a live crowd that's responding and reacting and chanting along how cool is it or how bad does it suck for you 
in this new role as the Messiah to have an uninterrupted time to, to speak your piece and do the business that you're trying to accomplish without having to worry about what chance or anything like that. Oh, I love it. I think it's a totally different vehicle t- to tell your stories because oftentimes when we do promos in front of live crowds, we don't, the nuances of what's actually coming out of our mouth doesn't even matter. Exactly. You know, you forget about it. It's just a means to an end. It's just like a, oh, here comes other wrestler, you know? Right. And so now when there's no audience to kind of direct or guide the promo or steer it in a different direction, you really get to tell your story. And so the nuances of the actual words, the sentences, the way you deliver them, the, the looks, the, 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 the subtleties, subtleties of, yes. yeah, of conversation that, you know, say... Uh, you would get in a movie or you would get when you're watching Game of Thrones or whatever, you know, these subtleties in conversation, the nuances and shifty eyes or whatever, all that comes into play. And I think if you're a talent and you get you get time to talk right now, you need to look at it that way. You can't look at promos. And there's been some guys who've done a really good job at that. Drew McIntyre, especially, I think has been incredible uh, in adapting this and knowing that, you know, there's no audience. And so he's not pretending to talk to an audience and stuff like that. And, you know, I've crafted my promos specifically to be, you know, here almost at all times. I do very little movement. And so I, I feel like this is the time to really, you can, if you're, if you can talk or you have something to say, this is the time for it. It's, it's really been like a golden age as far as promos. Cause I mean, look at Randy and edge too. They're great examples of it. They do had almost zero physicality aside from their match right. uh, at WrestleMania. And it's all just been talking and it's been so interesting to hear. Is there any excitement on, uh, on your end for the possibility of finally getting that edge Seth Rollins match? Oh, of course. That's the first thing that came to my mind when I heard the rumors way back last year that he might be coming back. I was, you know, there have been uh, many parallels between, you know, my career and his career and our characters and things we've done and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so, um, you know, we've had, we have a couple of run-ins in the past, you know, <laughs> uh, to say the least. And so I think, um, you know, it's an easy story to tell whenever we get around to telling it. So I think, I think we'll get to it. I just, it's a matter of when, and, and I hope that it's on the stage where people can come and watch it and, and, uh, and enjoy it. Right on, man. Well, I think I've taken up enough of your time for today. I appreciate you hanging out. Any parting words? I don't want to say last words because chances are you'll be back on here sooner than later. <laughs> nah, thanks for having me, man. Just excited to come back and talk. And, uh, and you know, uh, things are a lot, lot different than the last time I, we sat and had a conversation. So yeah, we need uh, to catch up properly, preferably in person with a nice fancy beer of some sort. Yeah, I was going to say with a cold drink would be good. That, yeah. I have been drinking. I have been drinking some a fair amount of beer during the quarantine. <laughs> I I, we're we're going to have to, co- we're going to have to compare notes because there's a great little <laughs> shop. I, I, there's a, an awesome little small business locally owned right around the corner from me. And I don't want to say daily, but multiple times during the week, I go over there and check it out and they've got all sorts of crafts from all over the world. And it's, it's pretty cool to check out. Uh, yeah, so we, got, we got, we got one of those a couple of blocks from the, from the gym. So I, I make a stop a couple of times a week to, to fill up. All right, dude. Well, congratulations. Give Becky my best again. And uh, I will see you probably next week at some time. Yeah, we'll be around. Take it easy, dude. We are almost out of time, but I cannot leave you without throwing a little zen your way. This is from my other favorite Rollins, Henry Rollins, who teaches us that strength is the product of struggle. You must do what others don't to achieve what others won't. 
There's some Zen for you. I'm full of it. Thank you once again to Seth Rollins and uh, good luck, pal. Follow the show at After the Bell WWE on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and send us your thoughts using the hashtag After the Bell. I say this every week. If you're using Apple Podcasts and you haven't left me a five star review yet, you suck. You stink. You're no good. I'm kidding. I'll forgive you if you do that uh, because it does help spread the word. And if you're using an Android, follow ATB on Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any number of other platforms because you really never want to miss an episode. It's the greatest show ever. You can follow me at WWE Graves and I will be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell. G3 Assistance through Virginia's Community Colleges is your pathway to a new future. Helping those who qualify pay for school and train for the right career. Right where you are, right now. Learn more at vccs.edu forward slash G3.